keep Rayman Digital on the air by pledging to our Patreon page. Uh, your continued support allows us to make great content and offer even better features in the future. Help us keep the lights on in the studio by pledging one to ten dollars a month. Go to patreon.com slash Rainman Digital to pledge. Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Welcome, everyone, to Weird West Radio on Rain Man Digital, Rain Man Digital's exclusive Western show where we discuss the Weird West, the Spaghetti West, the traditional West. If it's Western, we discuss it. I am Michael Flores, your host, and today in the studio with me to discuss a special film is David. Hello, Dave. How's it going, everybody? All right, so in this episode, we're going to be discussing the Australian Western, The Drover's Wife, The Legend of Molly Johnson, with a running time of 95 minutes, directed and written by Leah Purcell, and starring Leah Purcell. Purcell. Audience are treated to a revisionist Western about a woman that will stop at nothing to protect her family. Now, the moment this was an option to view. I'll get into those details in a moment. I jumped at it when I saw Australian Western because Australian Westerns for the most part, usually deliver Dave. Yes, they do. They usually deliver. So I was uh, very adamant about talking about this. Now the film is an adaptation of Purcell's successful Australian stage play which is based on Henry Lawson's classic short story, The Drover's Wife. Leah Purcell is an acclaimed playwright, screenwriter, director, actor, and activist whose work is known to stand at the forefront of the black and indigenous cultural renaissance and protest movement sweeping Australia currently. Uh, She's considered culturally influential because of how she allows audiences to see from an aboriginal perspective Now, the film premiered during South by Southwest Virtual Film Festival and was immediately picked up by Samuel Goldwyn for the North American distribution. Yeah. Which is always a good sign when a film gets picked up moments after it premieres, which was the case. Yeah, which was the the case about this one. And 
I, after viewing it, dude, I'm not surprised. This is actually a hallmark. It has all the hallmark tones you'd expect out of getting picked up by Samuel Goldwyn. Yeah. Yeah, and that's good because that means in the very near future, general audiences should be able to watch this film. Hopefully theatrically. I mean, that's Hopefully the best way to see a Western. Oh, especially this one, the way it was like, the way it was lit and everything. The cinematography I found, was I found, astonishing. I found that watching it just on a smaller screen really did it some disjustice. It did. And it's it's one of those movies that you have to see in a theater setting this is a western and yeah. westerns are shot big if you know what you're doing if you if if you should if you're a director and you're directing a western you better know you better that you know. need to shoot the images big big you got to really show us those yes show us the the west give us those landscape shots Give us those common visual motifs, and this did that. And those types of things should be experienced, in my opinion, as a film critic and film fan. Those things are best experienced on the big screen. Yeah, especially for uh, for me, it was hard for me to put it into words, but like this feels like it was shot like a play. You need to watch this on the stage. Yeah, and it it had this very. I'm watching a live performance. It's very personal, stage, personal type of yeah element to it, and seeing it in a smaller screen because that's how I viewed it at first was on my little uh, iPad. I was like, "This doesn't feel right. And something's off. Is it the movie?" And that's what I thought at first, but then when you punch it up into an actual big TV and everything else, then you get to actually experience the whole thing, and it is shot like a Western it has its gravi- gra- uh, gravitas moments that show it the, the four type Western elements that are expected, especially in a, in a Australian based Western. Yeah. Because like if people who are familiar in the audience with Australian based Westerns, look at like a movie like proposition. With yeah. Guy Pierce. Fantastic film. Fantastic film. But like it's, the the elements of an Australian Western is to show the setting is a character in itself. Yeah. And it plays into the themes and it plays into the setting of the story. And this one is a perfect example of like an, a proper Australian Western. But also, as you mentioned, it has uh, strong notes of stage performances yeah. Because, listen, it's not just because, hey, this was also a, a play first. Well, Leah Purcell obviously has the knack for writing very nuanced, intimate moments. That's what a lot of these stage plays do. That's how, that's how they sell the drama, you know? So you get very intimate. They can't rely on setting and soundtrack and amazing visual effects. They have to focus on the emotions you create. And I feel like this movie benefited from that because there are very personal, intimate moments that do feel like, you know, the classic stage play. Mm -hmm. So this past week, our network rain man digital had access to hundreds of films that were premiering at South by Southwest. And this one stood out to me, almost immediately as I was scrolling through the list of potential films to review. 
And the moment I saw Leah Purcell in a cowboy hat brandishing a rifle, I knew we were going to be talking about this flick on Weird West Radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Dave, let's get into this officially. This film is being touted as a feminist Western by most of the major media and review outlets. Yeah, yeah. And sure, you can call it that. But to call it simply a feminist Western, in my opinion, really oversimplifies the importance of this piece. And Absolutely. Honestly, in this current social climate, it might turn people away who don't want to be preached to, not because they may not believe in equality, but because sometimes people want to think for themselves and yes. they don't want to feel like they're being coached on the nuances of morality and equality. And even though this movie at its core is about the injustices that one woman went through, it covers a gamut of issues pertaining to race, colonization, forced assimilation, and domestic violence domestic toward violence, yeah. women and children. And honestly, I think that I agree with you that in any other Western where elements would be done like this, a lot of people would get turned away because, oh, there's going to be a soapbox type of movie. Because of just where we're at currently in our culture. Yeah. Never once did I feel when I watched this film that it was preaching to me. So there was a bonus. However, I walked away from this, actually, this film, thinking that normal everyday audiences might get turned away because the way that the film tackles these elements, it's very straightforward. And that could be actually very kind of uh, depressing to the audience because it's kind of like, that's how I walked away from this film was like, I was really depressed because the story was great, but you felt really sad for the character. Well, it's, it's a tragedy play in itself. Yes. It's very real. It's very it's real. Addressing real issues that absolutely exist in today's society. And that's one of the sad moments as well is that, this story takes place in like 18, what, 1850, 1850. And we're still struggling with the same damn issues. It's, it's, it's like a fucking pattern. We're stuck in a rut. Mm-hmm. So yes, it doesn't sow great seeds of, of comedy and levity, but it's very real and timely. And that's why going back to why, what I said about many of the outlets touting this as a, a feminist Western, I feel it's like a it's a disservice. It's a disservice because this is just a timely Western. This is a Western that is delving into very serious issues, whether they be colonization or domestic Domestic, violence, especially the domestic violence. Yeah. I've seen a lot of movies in the past try to tackle domestic violence or abusive relationships, and it just fumbles because the filmmaker or the uh, producers of the films don't really buy into it. They don't really own the element that they're trying to talk about because they're, it's, a, it's, it's a very uncomfortable subject of domestic violence and, and abuse. Here, I applaud how Leah Purcell approached it because it's so straightforward that she gets her point across and basically it's not very preachy. It's just basically, hey, this is what happened back in the day. This still happens today. And, you know, it's not, it, it never once did I feel that 
she as a filmmaker was pointing the finger at the audience. She was just basically saying, this is still going on. It's just a story. It's a story. That's the thing why it worked. Because typically when a writer chooses to touch on so many societal issues in one movie, it can come off as a bit self-indulgent and yes. many times heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. However, I don't feel that way about this picture. Not at all. The best part of this movie is you don't really know what type of movie you're watching or what is being said until the movie is almost over. And I love that effect. It reminded me of a painter that is painting a picture and you can't really tell what the image is until they put those final strokes you know, from the brush. And then suddenly everything comes together. And sure, I knew what type of movie I was watching. I get it. There's the typical inciting incident. Then there's the end of the first act. So you, you understand what your story what your is story about, is. but you're not quite sure what type of movie in the way of political ideology you're watching until you get into the third act. Then suddenly everything comes together and you're like, oh, OK, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. And I really like that aspect about mm-hmm. the movie a lot. Now, Dave, I know you've been sprinkling your thoughts throughout the beginning already, but I would like to get officially your initial thoughts. My initial thoughts on this film was this was something that I was a little hesitant with because I saw a lot of red flags at first when you brought this movie to me. For one, I am really hesitant when the person who wrote the the <laughs> The, the script is also starring in it, producing in it, and directing in it. That's a bit of a red flag. She also did craft services as well, Dave. <laughs> she did I, everything. I don't know if this. you know that. But within basically like five five to ten minutes of the film, automatically I felt comfortable with it because Leah Purcell understood her character. Without a doubt. She wasn't trying to, you know put herself above the project. She focused solely on the story and the characters that were right in front of us. And so automatically that red flag got taken away from me uh, within like, as I said, five to 10 minutes of the film. I agree with you about the whole Leah Purcell thing. I'm usually a little cautious to going into a movie that's written, directed, edited, acted by one person, but you're right that she didn't put herself above the content. Yes. And honestly, and we'll get into this a bit later, she probably was the best person for the job because was. it was a very, I guess you can call it a passion project. It was a personal project. Uh, she wrote it, she directed, and she ended up being capable of doing all three of those things. So many times, in fact, I have discussed this with actors in the past that, you know, when they're not getting cast in the things that they want to get cast in. Like, well, I'm not getting cast in this role. I'm not getting cast in this role. And uh, many of the time, many times the advice would be, well, direct and write your own thing because no one knows you better than, than you, you and what you can do. Yeah. And Leah Purcell definitely exemplified that thought. Because the you could tell the passion that she had for this character that... Throughout the film, there have been many times that in another another filmmaker's hands, it could have easily gone gone uh, wayside. It could have gone really bad, gone south. Yeah. But it's in those moments, all of a sudden, that's when she ramps it up and says, no, this isn't about me. This is about the character of Molly. And that's what I really was impressed with, too, within, like, I found myself so enamored with Molly throughout the entire thing because not that that she's oh she's been sh- 
shown as like this victim or this saint, but that she's so real. Yeah. She's so relatable. It's kind of like you really do feel for her. I mean, the whole idea of her character being alone, being alone in this, in this setting in the Australian outback during a time when basically Let's face it. Back then, Australia Australia was based by criminals. Yeah. Now, don't get too much into detail with her yeah. background and the story, only because this movie's not even out at the theaters yet. So yes. I don't want to drop any spoilers. And I don't want to. Uh, I don't either, because uh, honestly, I do it, feel that you can ruin it. <laughs> people, people should honestly go see this. This yeah. is a, a really great film. Yeah. Not just a western film. It and is we, a great film. And we probably should have said this before we got into it but yeah there won't be any spoilers this film just premiered at the south by southwest film festival so we're not going to destroy this movie before it even has a chance to to let that distribution contract ink dry yeah and on and the the other part that about my initial thoughts on it was i was really psyched when i found out it was an australian western i want because i love Australian Western. Well, the Outback is just a perfect setting. It's such an awesome setting, dude. Yeah. It's so underused too. It, re- it really do, is. If you wanted to do like a really crazy wild west, the setting of the Outback's perfect. <laughs> it, it just is. Yeah, it is. Because it was such an untamed source where weird, you know, you had the mysticism of the Ab- Aborigines going on during that time and mixing with the, the settlers of the, of the quote unquote new West there. It's so ripe with weird storytelling that I think it's underutilized today. Like so many people want to do those really niche, weird horror Western type of films. And they, they, every set, every setting has always been in America and I keep telling, I've always told people who've watched uh, horror films, Australia is the place to be if you want to do a, a really weird Australian Western. Well, there's also a shared injustice when it comes to the indigenous folk. You know, these same thing suffered with the the effects of colonization and being forced to assimilate. Assimilate. Yeah. So there's a lot of similar themes there that work no matter what continent you're telling your Western from. So Dave, the writing for me was very good. Leah Purcell truly wrote the hell out of this script. There are moments that you could feel the passion and I would even say pain leaping from the screen because that's how great the writing and the acting is. You feel that this is very personal and, Mm -hmm. and sure that's thanks to the performances as well, but it's the writing that made all this manifest. Yes. I like the strategy behind the writing as well, keeping the ending completely out of sight until the time was right. Because there were, there was a moment during the third act when I said, okay, shit, I see how this film's going to end. Yeah. I knew 15 minutes towards the end. I'm like, okay, all right. And I won't go into any more detail because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Yeah. And the reason I like that was because of how everything was planted early on as well in that first act. That's what you're supposed to do. The themes, the characters, situations, 
All these things need to be introduced early on. So when it was time to reveal or it is time to reveal what's been happening, what has transpired, you realize just how tidy everything has been laid out. Yes. This script was a textbook script. Everything that needed to be introduced when it's supposed to be introduced was introduced. And that's not a bad thing calling it a textbook script. No, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Don't reinvent the wheel. The script is a fucking blueprint. Mm-hmm. Do you try to Jimmy rig the blueprint and say, guess what, guys, we're going to build this house. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and uh, cut start with this the part out. Yeah, we're going to st- <laughs> start-, start with the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, you, you, there's nothing wrong with saying textbook. That's that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, the biggest ro- reason why this film resonated with me was because it's clear that Leah Purcell has had experience with these situations. And that's always something that I say when we talk about pieces that are relevant when they're yes. delving into uh, societal issues, cultural issues. It's very important that you actually have some type of experience. It's what I always say, you should always write what you know what you because it will come off as sincere, yeah. earnest, and true and not some schlocky faux piece of shit. Yeah, and without giving any – because you're touching on on a thing that uh, – on a highlight of the film that I really, really did enjoy. But without giving any spoilers, the chemistry that Leah Purcell has with each of our individual act, other actors – resonated in those moments when you come to when you come to this realization that not only do not only does like the character of Molly seem real she seems real because it's almost a very personal inlook to Leah Purcell yeah as a person you feel like she's truly exposed yeah and vulnerable and and it's like so strange because normally normally in in a in a uh Film, film sense, it would be a negative to actually say, oh, in this scene, she acts as the actor, not the character, right? But in this, in this regard, without giving any spoilers, there's moments in these films when that becomes such a, a joy to watch Leah Purcell work that way. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, there is a certain passion that someone gets when... They're doing something that they truly 100% believe in. Well, and they understand it. And they understand it. It's like what we have discussed, you and I, numerous times on other shows when I don't want to get into race and and all those issues right now. But you'll have a writer who obviously doesn't understand the nuances of race and racism He's probably never experienced it, and yet he wants to write about it. And listen, you're well within your right. I would never gatekeep art. Yes. But there was something missing Missing. from it, and this is an excellent writer that I like. But this one particular thing he wrote, it just didn't feel right when he was getting into the nuances of racism because it felt insincere. Not that he didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that he didn't have passion or believe in what he was writing. It's that he didn't have any experience. Experience. It, it felt like an outsider's perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's why I loved this moment in the movie <laughs> where the protagonist reacts to a story written about battered women. Okay. 
All right, yeah, I was that. That's what I was alluding. She to. tells the writer of the article that it's from an outsider's perspective. Yep, saying essentially it reads like someone that never truly experienced the horrors of abuse, and to have that statement made so fucking clear, it's almost like she has those issues as well. Like that might be yeah. her pet peeve. Oh yeah, like don't write what you don't know. No, don't write what you don't know. Yeah, and it it was at that moment too. It's kind of like it touched on a a personal subject that I have too is like people writing things that they don't understand about, like especially when they deal with abuse. Stuff like that. Now, people who have listened to our network know about a lot about my history. Oh, oh, here I, we go. I've been in an abusive relationship. I was in a very physically abusive relationship. And that moment that she had with that writer, I wanted to stand up and clap so hard because it's so difficult to explain to someone that I understand that they're basically trying to do the right thing and say, hey, as a writer, I want to say that this is a bad thing. Excellent. I want to be involved. I want to to do my part. I want to help. And I, I appreciate that. But I love the fact that it was at that moment that bringing out, bringing Molly, bringing up the whole point about this is an outlook of an outsider who doesn't quite understand. She appreciates that she she sees she sees the bad that's happening, but she doesn't understand it because she hasn't lived through it. Yeah, it was a very meta moment. I it's felt like she was moment. trying to say something. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it doesn't it does break the fourth wall if you know what you're you're looking for yeah if you're paying attention to the subtext mm-hmm. but it, it it doesn't take away from overtly break the fourth wall yes because it doesn't disrupt the flow of the narrative which is what poor directors and writers do when they're trying to break that fourth wall absolutely and seeing seeing that that's how you do that that for me is like that would be a this would be a perfect example of how to show a class this is how you do a meta moment yeah. And of course, we're talking about all these issues pertaining to outsider perspective. And the reason why is because, as it turns out, without giving away too much, I don't want to spoil the film. Uh, Leah Purcell does, in fact, share various elements with the protagonist that she herself also plays, which is why, even more so, I feel like it's appropriate for her to write, direct, and act. Mm-hmm. She is living the part what an amazing talent i mean playwright novelist screenwriter director and actor she's quite the catch dave (laughs) i wonder if she'd be open to a marriage proposal she gets your artistic boner going she 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 does i was like damn (laughs) i won't do that to you I don't, I don't know. I don't that's my, know. That's my pickup line. <laughs> that's your pickup line. <laughs> you can punch me if you want. I won't punch back. So needless to say, she did a great job directing the picture. This is a story that is unfortunately timeless, as we had mentioned. Yeah. Uh, there shouldn't be these types of problems. It goes beyond the borders of the outback and explores issues that honestly permeate all cultures issues that are pertinent today to humanity dude yeah and that's why i feel like saying this is a feminist western 
really does this film a disservice. This is something that many people can find relatable and find significant. Yeah. The cast. Yes, there was a cast. Leah Purcell did not play every role. (laughs) role. It may sound like it, but she didn't. Uh, The cast was rounded out by some pretty solid performances as well from uh, Sam Reed, Jessica DeGau, Rob Collin was he was perfect. Oh, dude, he was. He had a brilliant screen presence. Yes. His character just was amazing. I'm an instant fan. I've never watched any of his work before. But I'm going to be ad actively searching for any new work that he may be doing. He is really good. Yes. He's he was easily. He was easily one of the other bright spots besides Leah Purcell. If you were to actually rank rank each actor's performance, he would honestly be the second best. Yeah, and they worked opposite of each other so well. There was a lot of chemistry there between the two of them that really came through on screen. Yeah. And did you notice that the movie only used these characters just enough to help the story. Yes. There was no wasting of time. There were no unnecessary moments that you get a lot in movies no. that it, sometimes it just feels like the writer and director is trying to pass time or spend some time with the actors because, Hey, well, these people are also in the movie. Exactly. Well, these characters were so well utilized. They were so innervated within the narrative and Leah Purcell knew exactly what part they played that they only were used when they needed to be. And it never felt like it wasn't enough. It actually felt like we had just the right amount of time with them in order for them to be useful by the end of the movie. Oh, absolutely. Even like the character, the one character I thought that was going to be kind of like a weakness to the movie at first was the character of the Sergeant, the one that was played by Sam Reed. I agree. But Every single one of his scenes, when you see the the payoff in his scenes, they make sense. Especially the end. Oh, my God, dude. The ending. The, the beginning. I, I, and the I wish ending. we could talk about it. But yeah. it, it, the, 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 there is a point to his character. And, like, it's not just a simple, you know, throwaway character or, you know, a character that's supposed to be this representation and that's it. No, there's actual character development that Leah Purcell gave the character of the sergeant throughout the entire movie, and it starts at the very beginning. And, dude, (laughs) never once did I feel like I hated any of the characters. You know, like how when you watch a movie, there's always at least one character that you go, man, that character just brings the whole movie down. None of the characters in the film ever did I think that. No. Even his wife. The, the the journalist. Yeah. The one played by, I want to remember her name. Jessica DeGau. Jessica DeGau. Yeah. Even her character was actually very likable. And her, her viewpoint made sense because she's a representation of the mass, of mass audiences. Okay. Now, because it all came full circle, when yes. I was first watching this, I was concerned. Because I didn't see a point to that character. To that character? Same here. I didn't see a point 
And I kept scratching my head wondering when her point was going to be made clear. Everyone has a point. Everyone has a, a point. has a part to play. And yet I don't really know what hers was. But this goes right back to you. The movie all comes together at the end. At the end. And it, that's pretty much where her role finally fits. And I, don't, I finally might be the wrong word because that sounds like it should have been. Well, her puzzle pieces didn't come to, yes. to, to full view, that's, to full focus yeah. till the very end. Because then afterwards, when I look back at that, there was a reason why her character is introduced in the very beginning. But that's why I like the way this is written, because even if a character isn't going to be useful till the end, you introduce them early on. That's what you're supposed to do. do. And then you go back to them a bit to remind us that they're here and to give us a little bit of character development, you know, progress their part of the story just a bit. And... uh and that type of strategy really worked for this movie mm-hmm. because there were puzzle pieces that came together at the end that I didn't know were parts of the puzzle. This was, this honestly felt like Leah Purcell approached this, directing this script and putting together this, this film like a surgeon. Yeah. And she every also- single cut, every single point had a purpose. Yeah. And I'm also glad that she didn't, What's the, let's see, best way to say this. She didn't come at this project as if people knew the story, which might be the case and is the case sometimes with movies that are adapted from famous plays or books. Many times the director's all like, well, this is what's going to happen. There's no reason to hide it. And then you lose something within that writing. Mm -hmm. Leah Purcell acted as if no one has ever seen the book or read the book. No one's seen the play. And she put together this movie accordingly because if she had not tried to purposely keep things, it it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked. It I, in fact, felt... this movie would have been ho-hum. Yes. It would have been an average Western at best if it wasn't written this way. Mm-hmm. And that that just shows the the care as a writer that she approached this film shows the absolute importance of knowing what the fuck you're doing. You're doing. <laughs> and it's such a breath of fresh air, you know, like, as I said, early on, I may have sounded like, Oh, I didn't like viewing this film because it was really depressing. But it, at the end of the day, I looked back at this film and I was like going, this is, this is something that should be applauded and honestly studied because this is what, this is what young writers and young filmmakers should look at. Even young stage uh, asp- uh, people who have aspirations of stage look at this film, and this is how you approach a passion project. Yeah, I'm anxious to see what critics will say. Not the audience. I don't care as much about what the audience says. I think says. that's my only concern is how the audience is going to take it. Because as I said earlier, I don't think that this movie is audience friendly. Um, mainstream mainstream. I would say it's, it's definitely going to appeal to the, the art crowd, the indie film enthusiasts. If you're looking for shoot 'em up, bang, bang, no, Clint Eastwood Western. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't it. The cinematography, Dave, that you mentioned earlier in our discussion was, uh, shot by Mark Wareham 
and his work is really good. This is an area of film I pay particular attention to for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yes, you do. Probably more so when it comes to Westerns, because the imagery of a Western should be as important as the characters themselves. The images themselves are pivotal elements for all films, but the Western genre in particular, even more crucial at times. There are so many themes that are associated with the Western, and many times it's up to the cinematography to capture so many of those aspects and make sure that they coalesce with the narrative and the motifs. Yes. And you had mentioned that the the images, the cinematography many times is a character in itself. And I would agree with you. Westerns are, are a peculiar genre. Towns are important in Westerns. Yes. Landscapes are important in Westerns. And the cinematography is always going to be important when it comes to Westerns. Absolutely. The three of them the three of those elements are just as important as the characters many times. And this movie even more so in a Western. Yeah, that's what I was saying. And this movie doesn't disappoint mm-hmm. uh, in the least when it comes to this. And I'd love to spend some time interpreting and discussing some chosen shots. But to do so, <laughs> Dave, would probably spoil some of the movie. So yes. I am going to refrain from doing that. But it is a gorgeous picture. It is. Um, the viewing experience, Dave, it wasn't too pleasurable for me. Um, because, well, it wasn't bad. Thank you, South by Southwest and Leah Purcell's PR company for sending us this film. But, you know, it's a typical virtual screening. Yes. It's like watching some Grand Western. I mean, it's, it's not fun to watch a Grand <laughs> Western on your computer screen. On your computer screen or on your tablet. Yeah, it's not fun. And I know I, I was speaking to some of our colleagues, other critics that they are loving this era of the pandemic because they like not getting dressed and not having to go screen things officially. They like viewing things in their pajamas on their tablets. And I'm like, well, fucking shame on you. (laughs) You call yourself a film critic. You call yourself a film enthusiast and you actually are enjoying watching these movies on your fucking iPad. What the hell is wrong with you? Uh, Because that was the only thing. Like I, I will go see this movie. If it gets a theatrical distribution here where we live, uh-huh. I will definitely go see it again. Because it's definitely it's, worth seeing in the theater. It's one of those movies that you have to see in the theater, in mm-hmm. my opinion. It's just the picture, the story, the impacts of some of the action. It's the way just, the lighting is. Yeah, you got to you gotta see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we will get a chance to view it on the big screen. There's not a lot of uh, critical thoughts out there yet. Uh, because this was just screened at South by Southwest. However, the few articles that are released that have been released are relatively positive relatively about the movie. Uh, No one has said anything poo poo about the project, which makes me happy. Now, do you think I wanted to bring this up to you? Do you think not many people are saying anything about it? Not because in a bad way that they don't like it or whatever, do you think it's because of the subject matter? You think they are afraid to say this sucks? Well, no, not that afraid that they're, they're, they're afraid to say it sucks, but they're afraid to talk about the subject matter that this movie deals with. There's a lot of, there's a lot of very touchy subjects that this movie takes, uh, takes liberties with not in a bad way, 
not in a bad way. We've already discussed that Leah Purcell has I could definitely this. I definitely see what you're saying. That in this climate, possibly a white media outlet journalist or film critic film critic may not want to shit on something or just say it's okay or average exactly. because he's afraid. Because he's afraid of like what the what the movie's about and stuff like that. Yeah. Honestly, I see, I'm not like that. I, exactly, I'm, I'm, I'm not. honest, but um, I could see people possibly being nervous about something like that. But I was, I was, I was very surprised that there wasn't more people talking about this film because it is a very good film. But Dave, we're also talking from uh, an analytical standpoint. We're really delving into this and going through the movie with a fine tooth comb. This I don't want people thinking with all this talk about politics and agenda and ideology. I don't want people thinking that this movie is an agenda piece because it's not. Absolutely. It it doesn't feel like it at all. It feels like you're watching a movie about a woman who lives on her own in the middle of Australia. Yes. And she's going to do anything she can to protect her kids. That's what the movie is. Is about truly is about in in the ways of plot progression. However, when you analyze a movie, there is a lot more going on there. There's some substance to that subject matter. So I don't think regular people. uh, Yes, the mainstream isn't going to necessarily, you know, line up to see a movie like this. But I feel like average moviegoers would enjoy watching this movie. As just a revenge saga. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. It, it's a perfect. I'm glad you fu- you use that 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 clarification of the subject because this is one of my favorite genres of film that kind of kind of has its own fan base. The revenge tale. Yeah, it's the revenge tale is infamous in Asian cinema and like the kung fu movies and stuff. You do the revenge tale and the spaghetti westerns and the spaghetti westerns. Yeah. And I was really surprised about midway. I'm like going, this is a goddamn revenge tale. And at that point I was like, all right, I can get into this movie now. Yeah. <laughs> because like you do, you unfortunately with like a revenge tale genre type movie, you know, the outcome cannot be pleasant for the character for the main character because revenge, that's how revenge tales go. Revenge tales are to be tragic. They're supposed to be Shakespearean in tragedy. Okay. The Drover's Wife is a classic story of a woman in a man's world. See, that was from IndieWire. And I feel like you are going to turn away people. Exactly. I don't want to watch this bullshit. I don't think that's a good headline, dude. That's not a good headline. Yeah. All right, Dave, let's get into our final thoughts. Let's start with you. Uh, get, let's go into the saloon. Let's open up those doors. We're not going to flirt with any chicks because it would be inappropriate for, you know, based on the content we discussed. Yes. So we're just going to ignore the saloon girls this time. We still are going to drink, take some whiskey shots, and we're going to say hello to the ladies. There you go. We're going to be gentlemen. Yes. All right, Dave, give me your final thoughts. My final thoughts on this film... It took me a while to actually really grade this film. Not in a bad way, because I wanted to really, at the end of the day, I really wanted to analyze this film 
because it is such a unique film. I haven't had an, a, a true film going experience in a long time. And this brought me to it. And first off, as a grade, I would give this film an 89. Okay. Um, I thought the directing was fantastic. The cinematography was top notch. I thought the cast itself was fantastic. Everyone had excellent chemistry with each other. Nothing seemed forced to me. And just as you said, every every character had its point and its purpose. There was nothing wasted in this film. Uh, the script itself is very tidy, but it has a lot of substance. It still brought in the subject matter, even from its original... Uh, Inspiration, which was the Henry Lawson film or Henry Lawson short story, uh, The Drover's Wife, and dealing with the subject matter of isolationists and um, adultery, you know, the dangers of uh, the Old West back in the day, the sexuality of women. Everything there was done very, very purposefully. And Leah Purcell respected the subject matter that, that she was doing. I absolutely applaud this film. I, Even though I walked away, as I said earlier, that I walked away depressed after watching this, I felt inspired at the very end. So hats off to them. I think it's a very worthy candidate for any film goer out there. Whether you like Westerns or not, go check out this film. It's very, very thought-provoking. Okay. Um, I'm going to give this Western film here an 84%. I enjoyed the picture. It was well-directed, well-written, well-acted. I I like the word you use, inspired, because I, I think that's a good word to use. It, it feels inspiring, I, even though it's dark content. It's timely content, and I feel like it's appropriate. It's well done. And also, there are moments that are, I want to say there are moments of levity, but there are moments where they do let us breathe and take a breath and mm -hmm. enjoy a performance. There are kids involved in this story as well, and the kid actors are so good as well. They're not annoying. There are moments that are charming, that are uplifting, and this movie, although darker in themes, it is, it does have a, I want to say it's told through a lens of hope that yeah. things will change. Things have to get better. Things have to get better. And that was a great way to end the film. All right, Dave, so this does bring us to an end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. And good night. Said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. <clears throat> You can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> <laughs>